0: You're listening to the Packer Net Podcast Network.
1: Sort of protective tape or wrap on that thumb. Next time we see Rodgers, third and goal. Prescott stands in, delivers, and is intercepted in the end zone. Rudy Ford has a convoy.
2: as a Packer, and it comes in the end zone at a big time.
3: What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. If you'd like to text the show, you can send a text message to 865 Six five eight five eight two four. All right. So today on the pod, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of talk about the uh, the whole Devontae Adams situation. As you guys know, we did a uh, an interview with I Am Athlete. You know, Brandon Marshall kind of hosting that interview and I talked to Brandon Marshall. And Brandon just pretty candidly asked Devontae, "Hey, you know what happened with the Packers, all right?" And uh, you know, we we all have a pretty good idea. Of how everything's, everything unfolded. You haven't heard Devontae Adams' side yet. Um, you really haven't heard Brian Gudikins' side either. How, however, if you hear Devontae Adams' side, I can't imagine Goody go, oh, no, that's incorrect. It sounds like it's exactly how things unfolded. Now, some of you may be thinking, you know, Clayton, I'm not interested in this. Devontae Adams isn't a Packer anymore, and I completely respect that. You can skip ahead to the next pod, totally get it. I'm not here to bash Brian Gudekins. So I'm not here to bash the front office. What I what I want to do, though, is kind of lay out how things unfolded, because if we don't truly understand exactly what happened with Devontae Adams, I think it's a missed opportunity, you know. Some of you may come away listening to this pod and thinking, you know, uh, Green Bay handled it perfect, you know. Some of you may say, "Ah, they didn't handle it perfect, but I think they made the right decision in the end." That's kind of where I fall, to be honest. And then some of you may come away and go, "Man, they they completely completely screwed the pooch." But at the same time, Devonte Adams is a is a villain, and and I don't like Tay anymore. You know. However, you want to view it, right? I don't want to, I don't want to do this podcast and kind of uncover all the details of how everything unfolded trying to persuade you one way or the other, okay? I just want to put that out there right in the beginning. I just simply want to look back on it and say, okay, now that we have all of the information, all of the details on how everything happened, now we can kind of put that to bed and go, okay, you live and learn or, you know, whatever, put it in the memory bank. And the reason I like to do this is because when Brett Favre left Green Bay, man, it took years before we truly understood exactly what happened, right? Because, you know, some people in the media were portraying it as the Packers were pushing Brett Favre out, right? And that was totally not the case. You guys, if you've heard my pod at any point, you've heard me talk about that situation. You know, the way that I always viewed it was, hey, look, you know, Brett was wishy-washy. He retired three times in one offseason, and the organization had to move on, Then Brett tried to come back and, you know, that's how he got shipped out of town, right? Now, it's funny because you hear Andrew Brandt talk about that whole situation. And, uh, you know, Andrew Brandt would, tells it today, like, we made the right decision. That's a decision we had to make. We had to move on to Aaron Rodgers. And that's the biggest crock of BS. And I love Andrew Brandt. But anyone who tries to now pretend like, hey, look, this was our plan. This is what we wanted to do. This is the decision we made. We moved forward with it. And we stood behind our decision they are lying through their teeth because the 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 point is they welcomed Brett back three different times or two different times that off season. and Brett changed his mind. like I said, the third time was like, okay, we've got to move on and Mike McCarthy was really the one that pushed it in that direction. but in no way shape or form, you know Ted Thompson still to this day said, you know i I really dreaded putting putting the uh uh putting the trade details through, right He said, i, You know, the moment that I had to file the paperwork, I didn't want to sign my name to it. So he he even at that point was like, God, I really hate that we had to do this. But it just kind of got to that point where Mike McCarthy said, hey, the train has left the station. Right. So the reason I want to do this stuff in real time with Devontae, first of all, we're in the offseason. It's slow time. This is the time to dig deep into this stuff. Right. And I also want to kind of draw parallels throughout the history of of the league and how these things happen and roster construction. You guys know that Brian Gutekens came from Ted Thompson's tree, right? Executive tree. Ted Thompson came from Ron Wolf's executive tree. Ron Wolf actually came from Al Davis slash a little bit of Bill Walsh, and we know. Bill Walsh and Al Davis were somewhat connected because they were big rivals out there on the West Coast. And it just kind of shows you how roster construction falls into place. And I wouldn't, I'm not surprised that they chose not to pay Devontae Adams top dollar because one of the things that Bill Walsh talks about, uh, talked about a lot, was wide receiver is the last, the last piece you put in place, meaning it's not a high priority. And you guys have heard me talk about prioritizing positions. I've got tier one of importance, tier two of importance. And I've really kicked myself thinking wide receiver might need to be tier one because you look at what the league and how they value them. You look at the teams that did really good this year. They had at least a number one, in some cases, two number one wide receivers on their team, whether it be tight in or wide receiver, you know, a la Kelsey in, in Kansas City. But with that being said, all of this kind of comes into play. If Goody had just made the call, and been like, Tay, we don't want you back. We're going to trade you, right? It, then it makes sense. It's just the way he went about everything and how it all unfolded was like, man, he was really just kind of running in circles. Now, like someone pointed out on Twitter, one of the listeners pointed out on Twitter earlier today, it's like, you know, I don't I don't necessarily think it was Goody. I think it was Russ Ball. You know, Russ Ball could have had more say in it when they offered that first contract. And we're going to talk about everything here in just a second. And actually, we're going to hear Devontae Adams' words on it. Um but then, you know, someone else said, I think it was Mark Murphy. I think that Russ Ball reported to Mark Murphy and Mark Murphy said, hey, look, yeah, don't give him that kind of money yet. And then when it came down to it, the last second, Mark Murphy thought, OK, now give him the money because um, we know how the front office is kind of you've got Russ Ball, Brian against Matt LaFleur, and they all three report to um, to Mark Murphy. Right. And some people look down upon that structure. I mean, when you win back to back to back 13 win seasons, right. It's, it's hard to argue that, you know, hey, it's not been successful. Last year, you guys know how I feel about last year, and and it's why I'm a little more optimistic about this year because last year with all the injuries and everything that could have went wrong kind of went wrong, the only thing that's missing this year from last year's team, in my opinion, I mean, a little bit of veteran leadership in the wide receiver room, but it's Aaron Rodgers, and that is a big miss, but it's not as big a miss as, you know, Aaron Rodgers with a healthy throwing thumb, Right. Um, you guys have heard me talk about that. So with that being said, let's just jump into it. I'm gonna share the screen here so you can hear the audio. And I want you guys to listen to what Devonte Adams had to say on the I am athlete podcast. And when he gets done, I'm just gonna kind of go through and hit on some bullet points. We're gonna kind of uncover everything one last time and say, all right, here's what happened with Devonte Adams. You may disagree. It's totally cool, but again, it being the off season, I think this is the time to do this. And we got OTAs tomorrow, right? And I'm really excited about hearing – I trying to curb the enthusiasm. Um, <laughs> I say I'm really excited about hearing, you know, the updates coming out of camp, but we know what those updates mean. It, they really mean nothing, but it is it is really cool to have, you know, some of the players back in the building. And, and the main thing that I'm looking for is who's in attendance, right? Because in the past you've had, you know, Aaron has missed OTAs. Um you had the whole wide receiver group that one year when the entire league was kind of protesting some of the off activity all that stuff. Um so I'm I'm eager to see who shows up. It would be really really cool if we had 100% attendance. That would be freaking awesome. Um not that I'm expecting that, but that's one thing I'm looking for tomorrow. But with that being said, let's hear let's listen to Tay here
2: and and get his side of the story. Bro, what the hell happened with the last dance?
0: You talking about the Michael Jordan uh, documentary? Well, I think the Green he, Bay, uh,
2: the Green Bay, uh, <laughs> the Green Bay Packers documentary. See, this is how I get messy. Because <laughs> like before, before like there was a there was like, <laughs> you know, I'm known to get messy. you want to take another little sip. <laughs> Come on, yeah, Lamizal, might
0: were you trying to you trying to get some real answers?
2: I was trying to just Well, I thought it was pretty cool. Um. Brian Gutenkoos, like there was supposed to be like a little chat where everybody was talking about the last dance, last dance. Yeah, is that true? Did y'all have a group chat?
0: We, I, don't, I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but no, there was no, there was no group chat. I don't know anything about that. The only thing where the last dance got introduced was that we, I mean, it was the off season. We was poking a little fun, and you know, it is what it is. Like I got asked a million times after that about that, but. I, put, I posted it and then, you know, Aaron had put it up too and it just started a whole bunch of stuff. And it, it, it wound up being the last dance when it <laughs> wasn't even really, like, a, a real thing. It was more so, like, you know, obviously me going into that last year, my contract in Green Bay, I talked to him and I told him, you know, the Packers and everything, um, you know, based off of what I had done, like, you want to see another year of this before I get paid? Like, I feel like this is, you know, I'm, I'm basically on a tag this year. It's less money than a tag and it's, no security, just like a tag would be. And, you know, they allowed me to play that whole year without getting paid. And then I had another year of what I do, and it made it tough on them. And then, you know, I had some decisions to make. So that's, that's basically what, what came down to that. And obviously the whole Aaron thing and, and his uncertainty of his future in Green Bay factored in heavy for me. So if they if they, really,
2: they would have paid you the year that you wanted to get paid you still be in
0: Green I, Bay. I would have been in Green Bay for sure.
2: So what happened? Like they was it was it like the the number wasn't right, the year? All right, let's just pause there a second. That's a good good stopping point.
0: All right. And then we'll pick back
3: up. Let's address what he said. I was going to play it through in its entirety and then kind of give my take, but just in case the throat starts to give out here, the voice starts to give out, then uh we'll do it this way. So first of all, he said the last dance post, right? They said you know it wasn't about Aaron and that's where the media really screwed up you know the media at that time Aaron was pretty outspoken about the front office how he wasn't happy with the way they've handled veterans in the past and and you know how they uh, seen Mike McCarthy out the door and all that so when they did the last dance photo everyone in the media just assumed this is Aaron Rodgers's last dance he's not going to be here he's going to be traded right and it, and it, what it really meant was it was Devontae Adams putting that post up and Aaron Rodgers kind of putting it up with his as well. and they, they were poking some fun at the media, but the one thing that came out of there, you guys remember there was a rumor. It might have been Pro Football Talk. I'm not 100% sure. You guys know the guy who runs Pro Football Talk. I won't even mention his name. is an avid Packers hater, big Minnesota Vikings fan. A lot of this stuff kind of originates from his publication, and then other people pick it up and run. And in some cases, he's he's got such strong ties to the NFL, he'll actually uh, put a plug out there and tell someone, hey, if you put this out, I'll back you up on it. That's definitely happened in the past. But there was no text thread. They said there was a text thread where Aaron Rodgers was bashing Brian Gutekunst, calling him Jerry Krause. Now, for those of you who don't know, Jerry Krause was obviously the general manager for the Chicago Bulls in the 90s, and he was kind of responsible for um, causing a big rift within the locker room of the Chicago Bulls. Now, some people would say, oh, he was just doing his job, and he was doing what was best for the organization. Others would say, man, you've got the greatest – Basketball player in the history of the game and Michael Jordan. Why in the world would you upset him and, and rock that boat? Right? So when that comes out that they they put that in a text thread, what Devonte Adams is saying here is that text thread didn't exist. Now, he said, I don't know what you're talking about. He's joking like, man, I don't know why you're bringing this up, but there was no text thread. OK, that's pretty much been confirmed by everyone. It was confirmed by Aaron. It's been confirmed by Devonte now. So that was the media trying to stir the pot because they were too stupid to realize that the Last Dance uh, Instagram post was not about Aaron Rodgers. It was about Devontae Adams. Now, guess who else was stupid? I was. Because I'm listening to the media say that stuff, and I'm thinking that that must be what it is because Aaron is openly, honestly saying, hey, look, here are the things I don't like about the organization. And In the background, who was staying quiet? It was Devontae Adams, right? And, you know, the other thing that he pointed out there, I just want to mention, I don't even actually have it in my notes here, but <clears throat> one thing that Tay mentioned was, I'm already playing on a tag basically with less guaranteed money even with, with at least with a tag you're you're completely guaranteed that franchise tag money that last year of his contract he already played through he, he's already going into the last year of his contract he played through it so he went through this one full season like hey are you guys going to give me a contract or not right and and they didn't or they didn't meet his expectations for a contract I think we would all agree Devonte should be paid like one of if not the Uh, you know, most successful wide receiver in the league, right? He's definitely a top three. You can debate whether he's number one, number two, number three. I don't think anyone would say he's outside of the top five, which anybody within the top five of any position kind of warrants that top money if it is indeed their turn to cash in. That's just kind of how contract negotiations go. But, you know, he asked him about Aaron Rodgers' uncertainty uh, playing a a factor, and that's what he's about to answer. He said, yeah, absolutely. You know, some people said that Tay wanted away from 12. Now, I want you to go back. Take your mind back. This is what the media was talking about. Aaron Rodgers thinks he should be the general manager. That wasn't the case, right? He was simply saying he would like to give input. He, he, like Peyton Manning, like Tom Brady and others across the league who have been great or at the top of their craft, you know, they should be kind of included in some of those conversations. You guys heard my story. In the past, I was completely against that. I have since been swayed into this point where it's like, man, Peyton can't be wrong, Tom Brady can't be wrong, and now Aaron Rodgers is wrong. You're talking about three of the greatest quarterbacks ever play the game. For me to just sit here and go, nope, they're all three wrong, whatever, after Peyton leaves Indy because of the injury, goes to Denver and wins the Super Bowl, I think he broke the single-season touchdown record right? while he was in Denver. Same thing with Tom Brady. The thing that ticked Tom Brady off, which was a little bit different, Tom Brady wasn't going, here, bring these guys in. These are the guys I want. Tom Brady kept maneuvering money within his contract to free up cap room, and then they wouldn't spend the cap. To me, that's about the lowest of the low, right? And at the time, I'm supporting the Patriots going, man, they need to keep that cap clean like they are and think about the future. And they went out, and what did they do? They drafted Jimmy Garoppolo, and that relationship went downhill. So you look at it from Tom Brady's standpoint, Tom Brady's looking up and going, hey, you know, guys, I'm – I'm willing to take less money or structure my contract in a way that helps you guys maneuver this cap. You're not bringing in the players. Then you draft my replacement too. And it's obvious that Tom Brady was planning on playing. Now, one of the big misconceptions that a lot of people say when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, whoever, they try to make it sound as if Aaron Rodgers was talking about retiring every year. And that's BS. Never once did he go, I think I'll retire this year. I'm seriously thinking about retiring. He talked about life after football, but it wasn't like Brett. Like Brett literally – was slinging snot and crying at a press conference saying, I'm done. And in no way, shape, or form, did did Mike McCarthy or Ted Thompson have anything to do with my decision? And then, you know, whatever, a couple months later, he's basically trying to call their bluff and walk into Lambeau Field family night and and get Aaron Rodgers off the field, right? Um, So I just want to point that out that, you know, some people said that Tay wanted away from Aaron Rodgers, right? And uh, Aaron's relationship, or lack thereof, you know, with the team – is what pushed Aaron away. Now, it's actually what pushed Tay away. So what I'm trying to explain is you've got Tay, who's in the last year of his contract, and all this thing's coming to a head at the same time. And he's like, yeah, so you're saying I'm not worth that money? And we'll get to the details in just a second. We'll let him explain it, uh, exactly how much they offered him, because that's the new information here. That's the information that's been uncovered. Some people go, this is old news. No, it ain't old news. This has just been uncovered that they offered him less than twenty million per on average. Okay. So they lowballed Tay. Aaron's already ticked off with the way things have happened in the past. You guys know the draft day trade rumors with San Francisco that got leaked out, all that stuff. And and now Tay's looking at it like, okay, they don't want to pay me. They don't see me as, you know, as valuable as I think I am. Plus Aaron might not even be here. That's when you go into the offseason and you start meeting with Derek Carr and and uh you know, some of the, the people in Vegas, not that he met with them specifically, you know, personally, Uh, you know, eye to, eyeball to eyeball, but these rumors start swirling like, hey, man, he'd like to play for his favorite team growing up. That's when that becomes appealing, right? And, and everybody tries to make this out to be so cut and dry. He just wanted to go play for Vegas. He just wanted to go play for Vegas. That's why he's not here. That's not the case. And I'll let him continue here. But I just want to point that out that once again, the media swung and missed and said that Aaron Rodgers' relationship or lack thereof. Um, with the team, um, you know that's that's what pushed Tay away. Not he didn't want to play with Aaron Rodgers, which was the media narrative. Like, oh, so here's another player that doesn't want to play with twelve. He thought twelve wasn't going to be there, and rightfully so, because here we are one year later after signing that huge deal. And what's funny is because. You heard me report on the quote-unquote huge deal, and it's like, this makes sense. This is structured in a way that that money can be pushed down the line. Aaron's always took less. He's never been the highest-paid quarterback in the entire league, much less the highest-paid player at any point, right? And he's always been willing to take a little bit less. Nobody wants to point that out. When you look at the cap hit, you can average it out. Do do the numbers yourself. You average the cap hit out. He's going to be somewhere in the top ten for his entire career, but in some cases not even in the top five, right? And that includes the dead money. But why in the world would you sign into that contract? If you're just going to cut him loose, it made no sense. Tay seen the writing on the wall. So uh, let's get it, Let's get back into the interview. Here's the guarantee
0: is I think it was a little bit of everything, but it was more so, you know, um, as far as what I, the feedback I got from them was the, the cash flow and, you know, based off of what was available. And, um, you know, I don't I don't know. I never was told that they don't think that's what my value was. And I never even really gave a true number. Um, I just, we got an initial, uh, offer and it, it, cause I'm, one thing you don't do is go in and say, here, this is what I want. You know, I want to hear what you think I'm worth. And then from there, I'll tell you. So once I got the number, what was that to, number? to me, it Ball was, Park? it was, it was South of 20.
2: South of 20? And you
0: ended up getting
2: what at with the, with the Raiders?
0: 28-5.
2: It was South of 20?
0: Yeah. That was, that was going into my last year. Without before I played that last year, you but know, you
2: already you there. it was like you are like you did three years in a row. I know the last year was the la- yeah. the third year in a row where you yeah. went dumb. But yeah.
0: I, I feel the same way. That's why I was confused, and I, I showed up for my team. I did, you know, I was the leader that I was supposed to be. And All right, let's pause it there. So south of twenty,
3: <laughs> and I, I tell you, when I heard that number, I was like, whoa, because I just assumed Tay was trying to be the highest paid wide receiver in the game, right? And this is me. Guys, I own a business. I own several businesses. I always look at things from the organizational standpoint, first and foremost, and not the players. Right? That's just how I'm wired. It's, hey, the dollars and cents have to line up. It's what cracks me up when people say, oh, the players should strike. The players should do this. Okay, go ahead and strike. There's a bunch of other players that want to play this game and get paid for it. Right? That's how I've always leaned. I've always leaned toward the organization. And, and it's like, okay, you don't like the the amount of money being paid? Then go buy a team. Oh, you can't buy a team? Got it. You can't start a league? Got it. That That's, you know, you the owners are the ones who control everything. They own it. <laughs> they own the league, right? All 32 owners, 31 in the city of Green Bay, which is represented by Mark Murphy. Right. So you can't you can't look at it like that. Like all the players should just okay, go ahead, cut base, start your own thing. You know, you hear you hear Dana White talk about this all the time with the UFC, whether you like Dana or not. Dana's spot on with his his comments like you don't like what we pay the fighters. They can go do something else. We're not holding them hostage. They can go fight for another organization. They can go play another sport. They can go get a job at McDonald's. They can go do whatever they want to do. We're not holding anybody hostage. Right. That's what we're paying. If you don't like what we're paying, go start another fight league. Right, and and that's kind of how I see things. I say that because it's obvious that anything I've covered this off season, you see me leaning more toward the players a little bit. Not that I agree with them completely, but I kind of come away going, man, I understand their point. Yeah, that's that's kind of a bad look there. So they lowballed him, right? And and Brandon actually asked him. He said, he said, if, if they hadn't lowballed you, would you still be be in Green Bay? And he said, I would still be a Packer. Yeah, if they hadn't lowballed. Now, think about it. He goes into the last year of his contract and they offered him less than 20 million per. And he mentions cash flow and, and obviously making the cap work and things like that. They offered him less than 20 million per when other wide receivers were flirting with 30, 32, 35 million per, depending on how you want to look at the structure of the contract. Right. So if you don't if you don't think signing him for the 28 million. Or whatever amount it is. If you don't think that's the right move, I respect your opinion. I really do. And I, and I don't even know if I disagree with you, but you've got to, what we've all got to acknowledge is this is why it got to that point, right? And this is exactly what Aaron was talking about. Again, you try to couple everybody into, put, you know, group everybody into the same bowl of everybody's been treated bad. I disagree with that. Not everyone has been treated bad that leaves Green Bay, right? So Aaron was, probably being a little bit dramatic and in, in kind of drawing that parallel, right? Which it is funny. He mentioned people. It's the people that make the organization go. And he mentions Vince Lombardi. And immediately everybody was like, oh, Vince Lombardi wouldn't have stood for this. No, but Vince Lombardi left and went to Washington. A lot of people don't know that. He went to Washington. Why did he go to Washington? Because they offered him part ownership in the team, and he could be general manager and head coach. They offered him more than Green Bay was willing to offer. Lombardi felt like Green Bay wasn't valuing him as much as they should. And we all know, man, he really went head to head with that board of directors over and over and over in his time with Green Bay. And if he hadn't, we wouldn't have had the success because he really pushed back, like, I need to be the one in control here, right? You know, the same thing happened with Curly Lambeau. You know, Curly Lambeau ended up finishing Chicago, coached in Chicago. A lot of people don't know that. This is what's so fascinating about professional football to me. It really is. I enjoy professional football because the storylines are just so, man, they're so deep. They really are. And, you know, there's actually an audio clip of Curly coming back to Lambeau Field, one of those first games after they opened. At the time, it obviously wasn't called Lambeau Field. It was called New City Stadium. And he was actually on the pregame broadcast just talking about the team a little bit. It's so cool hearing that audio clip. I'm sure you can scour the Internet and find it. But I think it was on the Packers Legacy documentary that you can find on YouTube on the Packers YouTube page. If you just type in Green Bay Packers Legacy, it'll pop up. It's like, I can't remember how many episodes it is, but it's, it's phenomenal. But anyway, I just say that because so many people this has happened to in the past, right? And that's what Aaron was pointing out. Not necessarily, I don't think he was specifically trying to draw a parallel all the way back to Curly Lambeau, but he's just pointing like the people in the building is what makes the organization go all the way down to the janitors, the custodians, this and that. Again, a very dramatic. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks.
1: We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us.
3: You know, response, which like Aaron said himself so, so many times, right? There's, there's three sides to every story. Your side, my side, and the truth, right? And, and that's a hard thing for me to stomach being a logistician. That's my personality type. You know, when I took the personality test, uh, you know, I was basically the, the famous person. I had the exact personality same exact personality as was George Washington, logistician straight to the point. Here's the rules, follow the rules or get the hell out of the way. Right. That's just, and that's why Mandy always, uh, you know, she, she jumps on me all the time. She's like, there's no gray area with you. It's either black or it's white. And I'm like, I mean, you're, I get it. I understand. But at the same time, there are positives that come out of that type of thinking. You get people that are driven like Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not suggesting he's a logistician. I'm sure we're nowhere near the same personality type, just based off of his personal interests and mine. But, um, and, and in no way, shape or form my any anywhere remotely close to being as driven, as talented as, you know, anything about anything in life than a professional athlete. So I don't please don't think I, don't take it the wrong way. Like I'm saying that I'm just trying to kind of draw that that parallel. So if you don't you know, if you don't think signing them was a right move, I completely respect that. But once they re- realized Tay was going to leave, then they offered him the contract. That's what's important to understand. So. They offered him south of $20 million, and, I, and I crunched some numbers here. Typically, 20% discount is what you get on re-signing players on your roster. What does that mean? It's not set in stone. It's not, you know, <laughs> to say it again, it's not black and white. But basically, if you go to re-sign a player rather than let them hit the market you're going to be somewhere around a 20% discount of what they would get um, regularly. And typically, if they hit the market, it's anywhere from 110 to 120% of their value because now you have people bidding. It's, you know, it's free market enterprise right there at its finest, right? That's that's you know, multiple teams bidding on one player. It's high demand, low supply. That equals people overpaying a bit and resetting the market for that position. And that's what you kind of see in free agency. So typically, it's twenty percent less, right? Um, You're you're kind of looking at, hey, look, let's go ahead and get you a deal. Let's put some guaranteed money in your pocket. You guys heard me say they should have done that with Rudy Ford and Keyshawn Nixon last year, right? And and you see, with Keyshawn Nixon, they probably could have saved a little bit of money if they'd done that before he hit free agency. Once he hit free agency, I think you started getting some calls, and then the Packers like, oh crap, we got to do this. And I, I want to say he settled in at somewhere like four to six million, somewhere in that range probably a little bit more than they had to pay him if they had offered that contract before, because again, you typically see a 20% discount. So if he ended up settling with 28.5, 28.2, there's different people report it a little bit differently, but if if that's the contract he agreed to with the Las Vegas Raiders, 20% of that guys, is $22.8 million. So understand a full 20% discount of what they were offering him, right? Or what they would have offered him because they're trying to re-sign him on the roster falls at 22.8 million. He said it was south of 20 million. So not only not only did they uh lowball him, but they they extreme they lowballed him at an extreme level. And there's no denying that now. South of 20 million, they lowballed him and he's like hold up a second. So I'm going to play out the last year of my contract. I'm willing to do that. With, with little to no guarantees now, right? If I blow my knee out at 20, however old he was, 28 years old, 29 years old, and I take a full year to recover, and then, then I hit free agency, it's going to cost me. 10. Your heart is the beat of life.
1: If you have and heart failure. if failures, that's the
3: case. And trust your heart to Entresto. Entresto helps. What, what do you do there, right? Like if if that's the case, and it's going to cost you tens of millions of dollars, then why in the world would you sign up for that deal? Right. But what did Tay do? Tay battled through it. Right. Tay completely battled through it. And and it's like, you know what? I know the risk that that I'm kind of looking at having here. And I'm going to hold up my end of the bargain. I'm going to play through it. I'm going to bet on myself. And you hear people talk about that all the time. Right. Betting on themselves. I just wanted to point out 20%. Of twenty eight point five million is twenty two point eight million. They lowballed the lowball offer. So just wanted to put that out there. Now let's get back to the uh the interview here as he kind of cleans some stuff up and then we'll we'll finish talking about it.
0: Showed up. Showed up and put it all on the line. It wasn't like I was playing ball, like I didn't have security either. Like I was out there flying across the middle doing my thing like like I always do and then um just unfortunately we didn't that didn't work out but it, it, honestly there was no bad blood I still respect and talk to a lot of those guys over there check in you know if, if I see I still follow the Packers on Instagram too just yeah. let them know that I still got love for them and the whole community over there so
2: when's the last um, time you talked to Brian Gutenkoos?
0: I actually texted him and checked in on him and, and just you know just said said hello I think it was during the uh during the Pro Bowl or something <clears throat> some of the guys were out here I, I typed in and just want to see what, how he was doing and oh, text Matt LaFleur. You know, they say Matt LaFleur's birthday or whatever, so I text him on his birthday and, and say hello and stuff like that. So, like I said, genuine love. I talked to Mark Murphy over there, the president, recently. Had a good conversation um, after a round of golf. So, um, yeah, no, nothing but love for those people still at this point. It was just a business decision that had to be made, and I had to make it. See, that's why he is
2: one of the most real – and best human beings on the planet like they offered you if they offered me south of 20 million i don't even want to I, I don't <laughs> even want to i can't because I, I get so much heat i don't even want to tell people what i would have how i responded what i, I, I would have did like I but know. you are I texting like the president the ceo of the green bay packers still the head coach brian gutenkus yeah I feel like Brian Gutenkus is the reason why the Green Bay Packers in this position, <laughs> <laughs> and well, you still like you know what it is what it is like look, that's why you're human. Stop tell, tell it saying my boy is a, a, a villain. He's not a villain. Stop no, it. No, far from it. Nah, no, <laughs>
0: the the thing I mean with it's just a lot of history. I mean when you're in a place that's like that's like saying that you can't have a mutual breakup with your your, your lady after y'all was together. Like how many times? I'm sure you got plenty of boys, maybe even yourself at some point in your life. You know, you you decided like we just gonna walk away, and it may—I don't know—they might have ended all crazy. I don't know. Actually, it probably did, but uh, but but you know, they they do—it does happen that way sometimes for know, some I people I don't out know. Win-win. Some Can people win. got some smooth breakups out here, and I guess I was—I'm one of the ones that, that could do that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, I don't. I don't know if any of my homeboys had <laughs> smooth breakups.
0: None of your guys. But but
2: I am shocked that you guys had a smooth breakup with the Green Bay Packers because, you know, going into that last year, um, and you guys were playing around with that, just that, that, that sound bite last dance, you know, everybody thought it was just a lot of turmoil there and everybody felt like it was a lot of dysfunction. So I'm happy that, you know, you were able to move on the right way. Um, I feel like there's a lot of athletes that can learn from you. I'm a guy that, you know, didn't do the, those things the right way when I was playing all the time. And so I respect that. I respect that a lot.
3: All right. So that's pretty much the interview. Um, and, you know, I completely agree with what Brandon Marshall said. I mean, it's why people respect Hey, he handled that extremely professional, in my opinion. You know, he could have went to the media and this and that. He kept his mouth shut and he stood his ground and basically said, "Hey, look, if you're going to and and you guys know they couldn't reach a deal, so the Packers franchise tagged him. At that point was when they then came with the maximum offer. When I say maximum offer, they they, you know, they they had already exceeded Las Vegas's offer, going, "Okay, no, no, we really want you. We really want you, guys." Again, I tend to lean toward the organization on most things. You can't you can't button that up and say oh, that's not a bad look on the organization, man. The heck it isn't. That looks rough. You offered him south of $20 right? And then he goes out there and puts everything on the line. And then you come back and go, okay, well, we'll give you a little bit more. And he's like, no, I want out. I want out. He went through an offseason, knew what he wanted. So they slap a franchise tag on them, so they can make sure they could get, you know, obviously draft picks back. And and great job by the organization doing that. Not that it was like this huge brainstorming session or rocket science. Then we'll franchise tag them, then trade them away to make sure we get some kind of compensation. But um, that's a move that, you know, you, you kind of make the best out of a bad situation. But I love Tay's demeanor there. You know, he's like, there's there's no bad blood. I've seen people on Twitter today call call Tay a, a diva, and say, like, how is he a diva? Like. He's the opposite of a diva. The dude kept his mouth shut through all the negotiations, right? And then gets a low ball offer, goes into that offseason. What happens? You know, he talks to Derek Carr. They spend every offseason together. They work out every offseason together, right? He's got family saying, Hey, man, if you play for Vegas, we can actually travel there because he's got a, a grandmother that doesn't fly. And and I, it's funny, too. People are like, Oh, like he can't fly his grandmother to Green Bay. Bro, come on. It's obvious that she is older, and it's not easy to uh, have an old person, you know, that that's probably in bad health or, or God knows why. Well. I don't even know the entirety of the situation. But to, you know, I think of my father-in-law. You know, he passed away now uh, last year, right? Last summer. It, to 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 think we could fly him anywhere to any kind of event or any kind of family gathering with the shape he was in the last, really, the last two years he was alive, it was impossible. Battling, you know, Parkinson and and dementia and other things. Like, come on, let's let's be realistic here. Now, if he lived in a town where something was going on, there were several times we were able to take him to see his grandchildren play ball because it was 10 minutes down the road. And God forbid we have a medical emergency, then we can do what we got to do. Not we're in a hotel room in Green Bay, Wisconsin, halfway across the country. And if something goes wrong, whether it's the flight, the drive over, whatever it is, you know, it's just it, it amazes me because it's our favorite team. We just completely disregard the common sense aspect of some of these things. But you know, some people called him a diva. He played played harder with no guarantee. All right, like he said, put his life on the line. You didn't see Tay coming up short on catches. He was going across the middle. He would play the slot. He would play the boundary. He played both X and Z. He was on jet sweeps. He was throwing blocks. Tay was the best Tay we had probably seen his entire career with no guarantee. So he honored his contract, right? And deserved the right to make that decision once they they did lowball I mean, And you know we're talking about relationships and this is exactly how I see it. Maybe I'm just too simple. I'm just a dumb redneck that that looks at things from a very simplistic approach. But like if you've been dating for a few years, if you're dating somebody, you've been dating for a few years, right? And you've talked about getting married and I've seen this over the years guys. I've been married 17 years. We just uh you know God blessed us with our 17th year together. We we just celebrated our 17th anniversary last month, actually this month on the 13th of May. Been together for 23 years, but you know, and when I say together, I don't mean oh, we kind of dated on and off. We have been attached at the hip for 23 years, married for 17. Like I've seen so many of my f- friends and 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 even some of Mandy's friends who were dating people, their their significant other, their boyfriend you know, slash fiance, whatever, try to pull this same stunt. And it is a it's a funny parallel, but like you've talked about getting married, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna get married. Yeah, the plans to get married. Yeah. She's asked you about a time frame, right? She asked you a time frame and you say, oh well, we got some other things we got to take care of first. I got to get this, you know, and I got this over here financially, time wise, you know, yeah, we're gonna do it. And then you say, you know, we got some other other stuff that's just kind of on the horizon, right? That's that's how you look at it. And her mind starts wondering at that point, right? That's just the reality of it. When you get to that point and you, you know, it took this knucklehead six years to propose, all right? But like I told, you know, my wife a long time ago, I'm only doing this once, right? Just like everything, like I'm, I hate losing guys. It's, I am the worst loser on the face of the planet. I'm not doing anything to just, ah, we'll see how it goes. Like we're either doing this or we aren't. And if we aren't, I don't need you in my life. Right. That's just kind of how I see it, um, you know, but her mind starts wondering and friends are telling her, oh, you can do better than that. Man. He should already put a ring on it. <laughs> right. That's going to happen. Next thing you know, her old flame just kind of shows up. Right. And says, hey, you know, let's, uh, you know, maybe you're coming back home and you reach out or whatever. And it's, you know, like, a you know, whatever, childhood, college, whatever it may be. Right. And then you come back and say, hey. Let's see how this year goes. Think about that. Like, are we going to get married or not? Well, let's just see how this year goes. What? <laughs> some of you guys went, oh, no. There's some ladies here in my voice now going, oh, heck no. He's gone. <laughs> let's see how this year goes. Like, that's literally what they said to him. That, that was Tay's response. They basically said, you know, let's see how this year goes. And then we'll get back to you, right? So then she decides, hey, you know, I deserve better than this, right? I deserve better than this. And then you magically show up. So she gets to the point where it's like, okay, I'm done. And that's what Tay did. All right, cool. You want me to play one more year? Whatever. I'm out of here. I want to be traded after this season. I don't care what happens. I'm done negotiating. I'm done. I'm out, right? And then you magically show up with a ring and like, oh, here, will you marry me? Bro, like an even bigger ring than this like other, this other clown. When you, when you get to that point of a business relationship, right? When you get to that point where it's like, Hey, look, I've already looked at the other side and you've shown me who you truly are and how you value me. And now I've got other people who are interested in me. Allah, uh, you go into the off season. You work out with Derek, and Derek's like, "Man, if they're not willing to pay and you're really going to get out, we could play together, just like Fresno." It's exactly what happened, gang. Eh? That is exactly what happened. Problem is, it's too late. But now you come back with that bigger ring, right? That clown comes back and's like, "Here, I got, I got, I got, I got the ring here. Let's do this, man." That's a uh, as a Packer fan, it's a hard pill to swallow, but it's just a it's another example, in my opinion, that. I'm not, I'm not sitting here pretending like Brian Gutekunst needs to be perfect, or like the Twitter, the guy on Twitter said, or gal on Twitter said, you know, maybe it was Russ Ball, maybe it was Mark Murphy, whoever it was. I'm not sitting here pretending like they need to be perfect. But we have the, I don't know, we have the freedom, we have the ability to be aggravated or upset about this, but we can't act surprised when that's the entire story that's told. I'm sorry, we we don't have the right to act surprised that Devontae Adams didn't finish with the Green Bay Packers. Right. But what's the good, thing? the The good news, right? The good news. The good news to me is there's no hard feelings. There's no hard feelings between Devontae Adams and the organization. Now it was strictly business. It got to the point where the organization said, Hey, this is business and we don't want to overpay you. And Tay's like, hey, bro, I think I've been underpaid this entire time, which I would kind of agree with that. They, you know, yeah, he played through a second contract. But, I mean, I think we would all agree he deserved top receiver money. But that's where the kind of the, you know, the the tire meets the road, right? What are you willing to pay top dollar for? You was not even willing to get to pay him that lowball 20% discount. You, you even lowballed the lowball offer, right? And that kind of what I started this pod with, that's what ties things together for me because that's exactly how Bill Walsh built a roster. Some people are going, are you kidding me? Like Dwight Clark, Jerry Rice, look at the look at the receivers they had. Yeah, absolutely they did. But look at the pieces that were already in place, right? Like like Bill Walsh 101. This comes from Michael Lombardi, who studied under Bill Walsh, took n- countless road trips driving Bill Walsh to to you know scouting sessions and other things, you know, revolving around the San Francisco 49ers organization. He said that that was Bill Walsh 101. The wide receiver is the last piece you put into place. And that's why I started it with, if if you don't want to pay Tay that money, I completely get it. But then to come back and they were willing to pay Tay the money. That's that's the part that I don't agree with. Like you set you stood your ground and said, hey, here's what I think we're willing to pay you. And then when he come back and called your bluff, then you said, okay, no, we'll pay even more. We'll pay. I mean, literally you went from probably offering 18, 19 million per to offering 30 million per so you went outside of your structure once a player called your bluff guys, that fractures the locker room a bit. And, and that's something that it kind of goes, you know, untold for, for many podcasts and, and many fan bases, but some of the best organizations, they knew how to do that. Bill Walsh, they said Bill Walsh would completely just, uh, what's the right word I'm, I'm looking for here. I mean, he would manipulate players, but, He was just playing mind games with players. You know, I think it was Randy – was it Randy Cross? I think it was Randy Cross. I'm trying to think of – I think he's a Hall of Famer or borderline Hall of Fame offensive lineman, defensive lineman. But he sat down with Bill Walsh, and this was on a football off, Bill Walsh, and this is actually the former player telling the story. He said, you know, Bill sat down with me. It came contract time. He said, you know, you can play another six, eight years in this league. And Randy was like, oh, yeah, really? And he went, yeah, but they're not going to be for us. And he's like, excuse me? He said, yeah, I only want your good years. And, like, he would dangle that carrot out there and be like, oh, really? I'm going to show you how good I am, right? And and Bill Walsh was like a mastermind at doing that type of stuff. And so when you look at how some of these organizations are are built from the inside out, and especially within the roster and the roster management and salary cap and all that, Bill Belichick, that's his big thing. And Michael Lombardi talks about all the time is you don't upset the locker room by throwing huge contracts out there and throwing stuff, you know, out of tilt. That's something that they do really, really well. They never did it with Brady. Why would they do it for, you know, Joe Blow from Kokomo? <laughs> like, if you're not willing to overpay for Brady because you think it's going to fracture your uh, your locker room and something Michael Lombardi talks about all the time is a uh, um, Pat Riley book. That evidently uh, he talks about in the book, the disease of me. Once one player gets paid top dollar, now the next player wants to get paid top dollar. Next player wants to get paid top dollar, and and you're trying to go from good to great or great to elite, you can't do that. You know you can't pay those players when you're just trying to go from good to great, right? We were just good. No, you you guys weren't great. That doesn't warrant paying a ton of players top dollar. You've got to keep that baseline under control within your locker room because that's when egos get out of whack and next thing you know the locker room's fractured. So um the the big issue for me is it was the wide receiver position. You guys know how I feel about the wide receiver position. Now again, the fact that Tay said there's no hard feelings, he talked to Murphy, he talked to LaFleur, he's talked to Goody, everything's good. It just didn't work out. It was a mutual, uh, you know, a mutual decision to to just kind of split, to break up, right? You know, for some people it's about respect. You know, he took less money in Vegas than Green Bay offered, probably because he respects the the Las Vegas Raiders organization because that was his, you know, he was, he was a child that was his childhood team, right? And that, and they were willing to, you know, pay him what the what Green Bay wasn't willing to pay until they came back with the top offer, right? So respect to some people means a lot, and I think it means a lot to Tay. Um, you know, that's the business of football. That was the whole point of this podcast. I probably lost some. I probably lost some people while in the middle of that going I don't want to hear this crap because he's not a packer no, I get it I completely understand and that's why I try to let you guys know on the on the front side of the the pods hey look, here's what I'm going to cover because I don't want to waste your time if you don't want to hear it I don't want you to have to consume that but this is the business of football it's why I love pro football these are the things that happen and the and the little situations that have to be massaged and and make sure that you know everyone within the locker room has a high morale and you don't let that that salary cap structure get out of, out of control. And you don't give one player, you know, uh, too much power in the locker room. They did that with Aaron Rodgers. They did that when they handed him the contract. And what's crazy is they didn't want him to be a part of any of the decisions guys. They didn't tell him they were firing Mike McCarthy, right? Fired him midseason. that ticked him off. They didn't tell him about uh, Jordy Nelson or anything like that. They basically offered Jordy Nelson a minimum contract, which is just, that's mind-boggling to me, but they—they, um, they, you know, low-balled Tay, right? And then they didn't even ask about the Matt Lafleur. And, and when I say ask, guys, I'm not saying the organization uh, should have went to went to Aaron Rodgers and said, "Hey, um, who would you like us to hire?" Right? I'm not saying that. It's just simply, hey. Here's the guy we're looking at. Here's what he brings to the table. This is the offense you said you were really fascinated with. He's one of the younger's, the younger of some of the candidates that we could hire and has the most experience. I mean, the guy was a quarterback, uh, quarterback coach for Matt Ryan when he won MVP. He was the offensive coordinator here. We see a lot of upside there. What do you think about that? I guarantee you Aaron would have been like, yeah, let's do it. But they didn't even do that. They didn't even go to him, right? So cut him out of all that. And, and everything trickles down, then you you get an upset Aaron Rodgers, right? And then what do they do? Right then should have been the time to cut bait. But what did they do? He won an MVP, won back-to-back MVPs, and then it's – and I know people don't want to hear MVPs because it's about winning Super Bowls, and I'm with you. But when you look at a player as the most valuable player in the entire NFL, and I've heard Packer fans going, oh, he didn't actually deserve that. You know, either of those two It's kind of kind of close. He shouldn't have. Earned, oh, I don't remember you saying that when everything was hunky go dory with the Packers organization. Right. Um, conveniently, <laughs> leaving that part out is just dishonest at best. But again, that's the business of football, man. I just want to lay it out because, you know, some will blame the Packers. Some will blame Tay. Uh, but, you know, that's pro football. And it's why I love it. You you don't really blame either side. I just wanted to lay out all of the details, all of the facts and say, here's how it got to that point. Now we can close that book, that chapter, tuck it away, just like we did with the whole Favre saga, just like we've done with the whole Aaron Rodgers saga. We know the entire story there. And if there's ever any questions in the future, if if another situation pops up and it's like, hey, what happened last time? Boom, open this pod up and go, that's exactly what happened. How can we avoid it this time? And I'm not suggesting that a team needs to do, I'm saying us as fans is like, it would be a good reminder to go back and go, oh yeah, that's right. That happened with Tate. Oh yeah, that's right. That happened with Aaron Rodgers. Oh yeah, that's right. That happened with insert a name of a great player, or coach, you know, Vince Lombardi, <laughs> Bart Starr when he was fired, right. As head coach, there's a lot of players that was like, man, we just didn't have the talent. It had nothing to do with Bart stars coaching. And I think we would all probably agree with that. You know, Curly Lambeau leaving like, Knowing these details is important to me as a, as a history nut. So that's why I thought it'd be important to cover that. Again, we got OTAs starting tomorrow. Really, really excited about that. Excited to check the attendance. We're going to be back tomorrow and get you guys another pod. I'm going to try to pump a, a little bit more content out this week for you guys and gals. I got a little bit of downtime, so I'm going to try to maximize that. I really appreciate you hanging out with me. And again, guys, I'm not I didn't lay all the that detailed timeline out, right? I didn't lay that out to to try to say this is exactly correct. You need to you need to agree with me and think 100 you know in unison with how I see the situation. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Please don't take it that way. Just giving you the detailed timeline, the facts of how we got to this point, so we can close that chapter. But also, I want your guys' feedback. And there's a lot of people hitting me up on Twitter. Been great conversations. A couple people got blocked because they just want to be rude. You know, it's those people that they want to ride your bumper in a car, but well, if you're walking down a the sidewalk, they're not stepping on your heel because they'll lose their teeth. Right, so. If you're rude, you're going to get blocked. If you want to have a conversation and mute and you know, respectfully disagree, I'm all about that because that's where you really, really grow as a human being and and learn. You don't learn from uh, living in an echo chamber. You learn from differing opinions and trying to understand the other side and and see exactly, hey, what am I missing here? And And some of those conversations on Twitter about this specific topic has been really, really good for me today. I know that. So appreciate everybody taking the time to hang out with us. We're going to get out of here. OTAs tomorrow. We'll be back, give you some updates. I'm going to lay out the, pre-camp roster talk a little salary cap kind of set the stage for this training camp that's right around the corner and maybe we'll get some OTA news uh here coming up as well so thank you guys for taking the time hope y'all have an awesome awesome Monday uh out there I know you're on the grind and we appreciate you making us a part of your day as always let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go pack go sort of protective tape or wrap on that thumb next time we see Rodgers third and goal
1: Prescott stands in delivers and is intercepted. in the Ford has a convoy. Rudy Ford with a huge play for Green Bay.
2: First interception as a packer, and it comes in the end zone at a big time.